Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. And I, if you were to ask me how long ago we had Christmas, I would say maybe six months, not almost a year, you know, because it's just coming back already. The series we're doing for Christmas this year is entitled The, the Christmas or The Gift of Christmas uh, and then the, the Giving of Christmas. And the thought behind that, uh, you can even see kind of demonstrated in, in the logo we had up a moment ago uh, that shows an arrow coming down. The arrow coming down represents the gift of Christmas uh, that God sent, the greatest gift of Christmas that God sent by sending his son into this world. As a result of that, as a result of what his son has done for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for our sins, providing a way for us to have uh, everlasting life through faith in him. As a result of that, then, then we ought to be impacted and influenced by his gift, by the gift of Christmas to where you and I have given in our hearts also. And not just giving, you'll see today, we're also going to talk about going because it involves just more than, than sending money and sending funds. Uh, we need to be willing to go. And go might mean for you deciding to go to Guatemala this year on the mission trip. Or it could mean something as simple as you going across the street and telling your neighbor uh, about Christ that doesn't know Christ is their Savior. But we need to be influenced by the gift that God's given us to where we're willing to go ourselves. Uh, Our Christmas offering this year, the goal is $10,000. And we're going to take 70% of whatever comes in and send that to the International Mission Board. It's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Uh, You receive some more information about that today, a nice pamphlet that really explains a whole lot about what the uh, uh, International Mission Board does. Uh, So take time and and read through that. Uh, Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about Lottie Moon and things like that, who she is and what she did. Uh, But uh, that's where 70% of it will go. So if we make our goal of $10,000, $7,000 will go to that offering. Offering. Uh, 30% of it, or $3,000 if we make our goal, will go toward the Guatemala mission trip that will take place this summer. In addition to that, we've got another focus that we do at Christmas, uh, and that focus is the book bags. And if you have never done that or maybe not had an opportunity uh, this year to participate uh, out in the hallway after the service, or after the first service this morning, we had about uh, 23 children available. And that was like out of probably 120 or so like that that was out there. So you guys have done a, a great job with that. Uh, but try and go out there, and if you've not adopted a, a child yet toward their education in Guatemala, for $50 in that book bag, when you turn it back in, that will supply everything they need to go to school for a year in Guatemala. So uh, I hope you'll be praying about that and give in that direction uh, also. Near the end of the service, I'll have a little bit more uh, about that, because Brad is going to come and share with you about the going uh, aspect. Uh, I know it's a challenging time of year, guys, because of all the gift buying and everything else we do. But as believers, our, our focus 
in the midst of everything else, all the noise about Christmas in our world. As Christians, our focus ought to be on Jesus, what he did for us, and that impact us to where we are willing to give and we're willing to go. We're going to be in Galatians 4 this morning. So if you'll turn in your Bible uh, to Galatians 4, we're going to talk about uh, you and I being influenced, the gift that God sent, Jesus, influencing us and our giving and in our going will be what the theme of the message is about. And we're going to be in verse 4 down through verse 7. So if you will stand with me in honor of God's word and, uh, and let's read these verses together. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for what this time of year represents. Uh, Father, help us to, to, to silence a lot of the worldly noise and to focus upon what Christmas is really about, that you loved us so supremely. You sent your son into this world. You sent him into this world as that baby in a manger, but his mission was to grow up and go to a cross and die in our place to pay for our sin so that through faith in him we can have everlasting life. So, Father, you provided the greatest gift in your son. I pray today you, you'd help us to be even more motivated in our giving, more more influenced in our, in our giving and our going because of what Christ has done for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. We're going to look at some reasons why. Reasons why God's greatest gift should influence our giving and our going. If you're following along in the updates, we do this every week. If you're a guest visiting with us, you don't know where to find it, right inside the, the bulletin that you were given, the updates that you were given, uh, there's a follow-along guide that you can kind of fill in the blank. So the first reason why I think the great gift that God gave us in Christ ought to influence our giving and our going is found simply in this. God sending forth his son. God sending forth his son should inspire both our giving and our going. Look at verse 4 again. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The first thing I want you to notice in that verse is right in the first part of that verse, and that is this. God had an eternal plan. It wasn't haphazard. It wasn't something that happened by mistake uh, whatsoever, but God had an eternal plan of sending his son, the eternal plan of God sending his son. Once again, the very first part of that verse, but when the fullness of time had come. That phrase, fullness of time, has a lot of meaning to it. It means repletion or completion. Uh, it's that which fills. It can be the contents needed or a supplement needed. Uh, it's talking about filling a container or filling a, a performance that needed to take place or fulfilling a period of time. The root word means to make replete or to fill up. It was used to talk about cramming a net full, like a fishing net full. It was talked about leveling up a hollow 
hollow place, if you've got a hollow place on the road and what was needed to fill in and furnish what is needed to fill up that hollow place. The word meant to satisfy or execute an office. It, it meant to finish a period or a task. It meant to verify, which in parentheses there means to coincide with the prediction. So we definitely had a prediction about Jesus coming. And it talked about a space of time. So in the, in the fullness of time, at an appointed time, at a set time. What that phrase is really referring to is that God had a, a providential time to bring his son into the world. God had a set time, a, an eternally set time for him to bring his son into this world. Historians tell us that not just the Jews, because they were looking for a Messiah, they had been for years and years, but historians tell us that the Roman world that Jesus was born into also so it was a time when a lot of their old religions seemed to be dying away or old focus seemed to be dying away and the old, old systems was dying away a lot in their culture and there's a lot of new mysterious type religions and things like that taking place in the Roman world. So not just the Jews, even the Roman Empire, they were kind of waiting for something. They were needing something. They were wanting something to take place. It's like they were looking for a deliverer in some way uh, to occur. Most of you probably know this, but from the time of Malachi until we get in the New Testament and John the Baptist comes out uh, preaching and speaking, there was 400 years of silence. And that had not happened before because God would send prophets and God would send people to give his word to his people, the Jews. And now all of a sudden for 400 years, it's like it goes silent and God's not speaking to them during that time. And all of a sudden the silence is broken by John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of Jesus, who's paving the way for Jesus coming and he starts to do that with his ministry. So guys, it was just a, a set time. It was a, an opportune time. It was a time that God had planned providentially to bring his son into the world because there was spiritual bankruptcy and hunger everywhere, not just among the Jews, but even among the, the, the Roman known empire, the known world of, of that day. God was preparing the world for the arrival of his son. Compare that maybe to a pregnancy. In a pregnancy, you've got a, a time period from where the lady discovers that she's expecting until when the baby's born. It's roughly nine months. You know, there's not a, a set time that we know about that. God knows the set time, doesn't he? Even for when the babies are going to be born. But there's a time period there. And then all of a sudden, it will come the fullness of time for that mother to have a baby. When we were expecting our first child, Jessica, uh, and I was still in law enforcement at the time, and the, the guys that I worked with knew that she was expecting and knew it was going to be coming along kindly soon, and, and they kept yanking on my chain all the time. They would, you know, go on the radio and say, your wife called the office, or they would uh, see me, you know, when we were uh, just out on duty that night. Hey, your wife called a minute ago. She's on the way to the hospital. You need to get to the hospital. So they kept doing that as a joke. Then we had a department meeting one morning, and I'm there at the police department meeting. After it got finished, I decided to go over to a, a local gun shop because one of the officers worked there and worked on guns. Imagine me wanting to go to a gun shop and everything. Becky don't like me going. She says it's trouble anytime I go uh, to a gun shop to, uh, to, to look around. So that morning after I left the department, I go there and then uh, Leonard Beatty, the officer that worked there, uh, helping work on guns and everything like that. He still builds custom firearms. He came up to me and said, hey, they're trying to find you because that's before we had cell phones. Remember, I'm old. 
didn't have cell phones. You couldn't call me or anything. They're trying to find you. Your wife's water broke. And I thought, yeah, this is just another dimension of the joke you've been trying to pull on me. And he, and he said, no, we're serious this time. <laughs> So I hop in, in, in the car, a little Nissan car we had. I run from, from North Wilkesboro uh, out to where we lived in Moravian Falls. I pick her up, and we're going 90 miles an hour. And, guys, I'm not joking. I looked down, and I saw 90 miles an hour at one point. As we're heading to the hospital, because I'm thinking, she's not having this with me in the car. Now, it's a wonder she didn't because the way I was driving to get her there. So anyway, we get there, and then, like, you know, within four hours from the time the water broke, boom, Jessica was there. So there was this time of expectancy that we had, and this time for a delivery. So kindly apply that to what's being said here about the fullness of time. Maybe you could phrase it like this. History was pregnant. History was at a time, a set time for a delivery to take place. History was ripe for a Savior to come into the world. There had been this expectation that a Savior would come. And now that history is fully pregnant in the fullness of time, God sends His Son. Now I want you to take all the meaning that was in that word study I did a minute ago and apply it to Jesus for a minute. So in the fullness of time, God sent His Son to fill a void that was needed in the souls of men. God sent His Son to make replete or complete what was needed. Jesus was what was needed to fill up, to supplement what was needed in the lives of men. We had a hollow place, a hole in our souls, and Christ was sent to fill that hollow spot that only He could fill. Jesus was sent in the fullness of time to furnish what was needed for our salvation. Jesus came to satisfy the just demands of a holy God. Jesus came to execute his office fully as our high priest and our sacrifice rolled into one. What I'm trying to tell you is that birth in Bethlehem wasn't an accident. It was an appointment. It was a set time in history that God was going to send his son in the fullness of time. And it's worth noting again, guys, that he's coming back again. And he knows when, we don't. And if you're not ready, you need to get ready. Because he could come back at any time. So now you may be thinking to yourself, but how does that apply to what you're talking about? How does that apply to our giving and to our going? How in the world does, does, does Jesus being sent and, and, and come? Here's how it applies. It was an eternal plan that God had. And and if we're going to accomplish the giving that maybe God is laying upon our hearts in in our Christmas offering this year, it's not going to happen unless you plan. If you want to try and go on a mission trip like the Guatemala mission trip, you you can't just overnight decide that, that you want to go on the mission trip Because there's planning that has to take place. So if you're going to go and be involved in missions, you have to to plan that to occur. Last week, we uh, prayed over Brittany and everything. Of course, she arrived safe. Her stomach was a little bit messed up from the little plane she rode in on and uh, everything there into the Bahamas. And I've been getting a picture feed of showing the devastation and everything that's there and all. But but see, there's preparation that had to be taken through the organization she went with and everything like that. She had to prepare to go and be there. You don't just do it overnight. So here's what I'm saying. Based upon God having an eternal plan to send his son into the world, we need to respond with our giving and our going. And we need to plan in order for it really to to happen. It's not just going to happen if you're not intentional. 
Even you just going by walking across the street to share the gospel with a neighbor, you, you need to be intentional about it or it's not going to happen. Well, I'm going to tell my neighbor about Jesus, but I'm going to wait till he asks me about Jesus before I tell him. That may never happen. So the first thing I'm just wanting you to see this morning is God sending forth his son should inspire our giving and our going. God had an eternal plan to send his son into this world, and that ought to inspire us to plan in advance to give and to go. But I want you to notice the action of God sending his son also in the second part of verse 4. God sent, that's an action word. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. He sent away, he sent forth on a mission is what the word means. He, he dispatched his son to leave. He dismissed his son to, to leave from heaven and come into this world. The fact that he's sent by God and made of a woman speaks of the, the dual nature of Christ. He's the God-man. He's sent by God, but he was born of a woman, caused to become into this world. God used a woman to, to generate and bring his son into this world. And he was made under the law. That same phrase means to cause or generate. He is talking about the agency of it. In other words, the, the, the first five books of the Bible, that's what we're talking about with the law, not just the Ten Commandments. And within those first five books of the law, you have promises of the Messiah. You have reference to the fact that Jesus is going to come. So he was born underneath that law that gave promises and, and told us that the Messiah would come. I want you to think about God sending his son for a moment. If you are anything like me, and I think a lot of you probably are as parents, think back to how you felt the first time when you saw your child get in a car and drive off by themselves. They probably were happy because I wasn't a good coach being ex-law enforcement. You know, I would all the time, no, do it this way, do it that way, do it this. But, but, but go back to seeing your, your child drive off by themselves the first time. In your mind, as you waited for them to return, there's a thousand accidents took place. Amen? Or, or in your mind, when you sent your child off maybe on a mission trip, They'd never been away from home, and here you're sending your child off maybe to children's camp or, or to youth camp or whatever, and you've got, got these feelings. Or, or when you send them off to college, I mean, that was never easy for us. Uh, we just went ahead and took extra Kleenex with us, you know, where we could cry on the way back down the, the mountain and everything when we dropped them off at Western Carolina. What about when you're... Your child may be joining the armed forces and you're sending them off in the armed forces. Or your child, your daughter goes out on the first date or prom night. I would always try and preempt things by showing off my gun collection. <laughs> or your child gets married. Or your child moves off to some other place. And in our minds, as parents, we worry and we think about this, what might happen, what could happen. Probably had some of those feelings this week, haven't you? But we build up in our mind what might happen. 
Think about what God did with Jesus. He sent forth his son. He dismissed his son to leave heaven. He dispatched his son from heaven. He sent his son on a mission knowing full well with complete foreknowledge exactly what's going to happen. He sent his son knowing he's coming into a world that's going to reject him and abuse him and hate him and make fun of him and despise him. He sends his son knowing up front that there's going to be a time when he's going to be arrested and he's going to be beaten and he's going to be abused and he's going to have that cat of nine tails put upon his back time and time and time again, that crown of thorns shoved down on his forehead. He sent his son with full knowledge, pre-knowledge of the fact that he's going to be nailed to a cross and shed his blood and suffer and die for our sins. He sent his son with that foreknowledge, not maybe what if, like we did with our children. He knew what his son would face. So guys, think about that. With God loving us that much and with foreknowledge, him sending his son to suffer, shouldn't we take action ourselves? The action he took for us was to come and die and suffer on the cross for us. Should not we take action ourselves as those who've been saved by his grace, by those who have trusted him as Savior? Shouldn't we take action by going for Christ, by giving for Christ, by by, by going for others and trying to reach them with the gospel? Shouldn't we take full advantage and, and be empowered by what God has done for us? And let that influence our giving and our going and us take action so others might be rescued. I'm thankful that I'm rescued with God's gospel. I'm thankful that I'm I'm rescued and experienced the grace of God. I'm thankful for all of you who have done the same. But there's still people who haven't. All across this world where we're trying to send missionaries. In Guatemala where we do the mission trip, the UTH ministries. I'm just saying we ought to be inspired by God sending his son for us to give and go. Second thing I want you to see is this. The reason for Christ coming should inspire giving and going. The reason for him coming. Verse 5 through 7. To redeem those who are under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, So you're no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then an heir through God. Why don't you see two things in those verses about the reason for Christ coming? First one is this. Jesus came to redeem us. To redeem us. First part of verse 5. To redeem those who are under the law. To buy up, to ransom, to rescue from loss. There's a little parenthetical definition there also, to improve opportunity. Man, how true that is. Have you improved your opportunity through faith in Christ? Has that changed things a little bit in, in, in your life through faith in, in Christ? To set free by paying a price. The root word literally means to go to the marketplace and purchase something from or out of or off of. Guys, the, the truth is this. As lost sinners, we were under the law, under the penalty of the law. We were under the condemnation of the law. We were like a, a prisoner in bondage to the law. 
And God sent his son to redeem us, to buy us, to ransom us, to rescue us from the penalty of the law. God sent Jesus to rescue us from loss, to totally improve our opportunity. And here's how he did that. How did Jesus do that? He did it by going to the cross and shedding his blood. And he bought us with his blood. He rescued us from the slave block of sin with his blood. He purchased us out from the penalty of our sin. Christ died on the cross and he bought me. Christ died on the cross and he bought you. But the fact that he has paid for your sins only is beneficial for you if you will believe that by faith, if you'll trust in what God has done for you through his son by faith. Imagine this scenario that talking about being, being, being rescued. I've had the opportunity in the past to be at places like Charleston and go down to the square there to where they used to do the slave auctions. And they still got a block, a little stage kind of set up that they'd bring the slaves up upon and, and, and auction them. So imagine that scenario for a minute. Imagine a slave is there on the auction block and they've been through all kinds of difficulty, all kinds of problems, taken from their homeland, shipped in terrible conditions, kept in terrible conditions, abused, separated from family, everything else. And then they're brought up on this on this slave block for auction. Most of the people bidding on them only want them to be like a piece of property, to, to be used and taken out to work in their fields, not paid, maybe fed some, just enough to keep them strong so they can do the work. So imagine you're in that scenario and there's a slave on the block and all of a sudden somebody comes forward a very benevolent person, and they come forward and they say, I'm going to buy you, but I'm going to buy you to set you free. Can you imagine the slave just kind of shaking his head and saying, I'm, I'm not interested in that. I'm just going to stay up here, stay in the condition that I'm in, let somebody buy me, let somebody work me to, to death. I'm just, I'm just going to stay there. Can you imagine someone staying in that scenario? Or, or someone once purchased off of that auction block of sin going right back to that auction block of, of sin. See, the, the whole reason for the writing of Galatians where Paul was inspired to write to the Galatian believers is this. There were Judaizers who were trying to lead people that had trusted Christ and they had experienced grace. They were trying to lead them back underneath the bondage of the law. Guys, when, when you've been set free by grace, don't let the devil take you and put you back on an auction block. No, don't let him put you back in that condition. Why would anyone want to leave out from underneath being set free with grace to go back to an auction block of the law or an auction block of sin? And all I'm trying to get you to see in, in, in all that imagery right there is, is this. If we have been set free in Jesus, if we've experienced the grace of God through Christ, if, if he's our redeemer, if he's bought us with his shed blood, shouldn't we act like we're set free? Shouldn't we live for him? Shouldn't we serve him? Shouldn't we in response to his grace and in response to the love that he had for us and setting us free, shouldn't we be willing to give and to go in, in response to what he has done for us? Because Jesus came to redeem us, to pay for our, our sins. Jesus gave himself for you 
So shouldn't you be willing to give? Jesus was willing to go to the cross for you. So shouldn't you be willing to go for him in whatever context that might mean in your life? He not only came to redeem us, he came to adopt us. Because as we read through the rest of those verses, second part of verse 5, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then an heir through God. Receive adoptions as son. The tense that's used there means you receive it in full. It literally means that you are placed as an adult son. And the root word is built on means to place in a passive or a horizontal posture. In other words, you didn't have anything to do with it. You didn't place yourself as a son. God, by his grace, places you as a son when you trust him as Savior. By his grace, he sent his son to die for you. By his grace, he draws you to himself. And by his grace, he, he postures you. He sets you as an adult son. Some scholars think that this adoption talk that Paul is using here corresponds to a Roman practice in that day when somebody would adopt a son into his family outside of his family. It happened in two stages. There's a private part of it to where the person buying, because they had to pay for this adoption to take place, the person buying or paying for the adoption in a, in a private legal setting would go and pay for and adopt that son. Then later on, in a public arena, in a public setting, the adoption took place publicly to where it was announced and displayed for everyone to see that that person they had adopted has now been brought into their family and they've got all the full legal rights of sonship. That's what it was a picture of. So apply that to us as Christians. When you received Christ as your Savior, that private transaction took place. When you received him as Savior, you were adopted into his family. But there is coming a time when Jesus comes back that there's going to be this coronation service that will take place. And publicly in front of all, we will be installed as his children. Yes, you're his child now, but you're going to be installed as his full son then in a future time. Now, some of you ladies are saying, but, but you're talking about sons, why not daughters? There, there's, a, there's a reason why the Bible uses the terminology of sonship. It's not leaving you ladies out. Here, here's, here's the thing that, that doctrinally, here's the way God views it. No matter what sex you are, when you come to faith in Jesus, God views it as though you have been placed as a full right adult son in his family. See, here, here's why that's important. In that day and time, in the culture of that day, a woman couldn't be placed as adult son. A, a woman would not have the, the full rights and everything like that that a son would have in that day and time. So it's a significant thing that he refers to both men and women here doctrinally as sonship. Because that means this, the moment you receive Christ as your Savior, yes, you became his child, but you also became his full son. You have full rights as a son in the family of God. Is that not a good reason to be called a son, ladies? That you have that full right as a, as a son. And that's what Paul is alluding to here. 
this shows the the fact that God cared so much for us. He he paid for us, but he adopted us because he wanted us in his family. It said the spirit of his son. He sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The same phrase as you there referring to Jesus sending away on a mission to dispatch. He, he sends the very breath of his son, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts. So we reach the point of that we can do this with the spirit of Christ in our hearts. You and I are positioned to do this, crying, Abba, Father. The word literally means screaming, crying aloud, Father, Father. It's a, it's a term of endearment. It's, a, it's similar to our daddy or papa. So we who are, are Christians, who've trusted Christ as our Savior, we can cry out, to the God as our Father, Abba, Father. And the reason we can do that is this. You're no longer a slave. He said that there. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer a bondservant. But now you're a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through Christ. In other words, instead of being a slave, something else has happened. Contrary-wise to being a slave, you are immediately kinship with God. If, in fact, you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are kinship, immediate kinship with Him. So that means this. That gives a, a binding partition that takes place. It's like an inheritance takes place. It's as though someone has died and the inheritance is being read. Jesus has died for you, and as a result of Jesus paying the full price for you, you're part of the inheritance, and there's a portion that's being allotted to you. You are an adult son. You're no longer a slave because of what Christ Christ did for you. We become part of God's family through redemption, whereby Christ paid for our sins. And then as we trust Christ as our Savior, this thing called regeneration takes place. That's where we're born again into the family of God. And then once being redeemed and regenerated through faith in Christ, we are instantly made full adult sons or full heirs of God. Man, you're awful quiet to have heard that. Think about that. You're not a slave, you're a son. More than just a child, God views you as an adult son. God views you as long as though everything that's his is yours. You're an heir of everything that God could provide because you've trusted Christ as Savior. We're more than little children. Sonship means we have all the rights of sonship. And, and the phrase there where it talked about the law, referred to the law, means this. It means you've been adopted legally and irrevocably as adult sons. In the Roman world, when someone would adopt somebody, they could not unadopt them. It was a legal binding thing that had taken place. When you trust Christ as your Savior, a legal binding thing takes place in the blood of Jesus. You are permanently, permanently, forever His Son. Once you trust Christ as Savior, and that can never, ever be revoked. You belong to Him. The Christian doesn't have to wait to begin enjoying the spiritual riches he has in Christ. Don't view yourself as a slave to the law, but view yourself as a son of God. A slave doesn't have the nature of the father. A slave is just having to do what he's told by the master. But a son has the nature of the father. And that means as a son, we ought to love God. As a son, 
we ought to so appreciate all that the Father's done for us that we're willing to go and we're willing to give. He said, if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We need to act like we're heirs of God through Christ. I'll be back to finish in a moment. I'm going to welcome Brad to come up to the stage, and Brad's going to share with you um, a little bit about Guatemala this morning and the going aspect. Well, Lynn asked me to speak about Guatemala. I was like, I don't know that they really want to hear me speak about Guatemala again because um, we talk about it so much. I'm glad I didn't hear an amen on that because that would have been quite awkward. But um, <laughs> thanks. Um, I'm going to be speaking um, from the book of First John, uh, chapter 3 and 4, and then I'll uh, finish up with James. Um, I'm always amazed at how God works. Uh, I, I love watching him work in my life. Um, the past three to four weeks, we've been talking about thanks in giving and youth on Sunday night. And it, a lot of times what Lynn would preach about on Sunday morning was reiterated on Sunday night through what God had spoken to me to share. And it's just amazing to see how the two can come together like that. And the same has happened um, for this morning. Um, I didn't really know what Lynn was going to be preaching on. Um, and I just like, God, what do you want me, what do you want me to speak on? You know, and, um, He's been talking about how God had this plan for us um, a long time ago for this, this man named Jesus to be born in an in insignificant town of Bethlehem um, and to influence us with that gift for us to serve, to go, and to give. Well, I'm going to be on the flip side of that. Um, what happens after we accept Christ in our lives? So after we accept this adoption that he's been talking about, what happens? So I'm going to talk about... Um, the spirit within us, God's love. And that's uh, in First John chapter 4. If you have time later today, I'd like for you to go read 7 through 19. I'm just going to touch on a few verses in that and, and kind of explain um, what God has spoken to me through this. And some of this is what I've shared with the youth in the past few weeks. So it says in um, 7 and 8, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So the first question of your quiz would be, am I loving? Am I willing to give to others? Am I willing to go and serve others? Am I willing to show this love that God has put in our lives? And then 12 and 13 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. So there's this idea that the Spirit of God dwells in us. We all know this. But right here we're learning that this Spirit of God is love in itself. So if we have this love in our hearts and, and we've accepted this adoption that he's offered us, that love should come out of our lives. And just as Lynn is trying to show with us, that love comes out as the fact to either go or give or both. And then in uh, 16, the second part of verse 16, it says, God is love and all who love in, excuse me, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. The spirit of God, this love 
that dwells within us. If we go back to chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, it says, And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know that he lives in us because the spirit he gives us lives in us. So again, just going on the fact that God's spirit within us is love. Now, a lot of people will ask, you know, um, or they'll say, I don't have the finances, or my job won't allow me to do it. And I'm always um, amazed at how God works in our lives, um, especially for me and Brandy. And it's just the idea of being willing, willing to do whatever God's called you to do or ask you to do. Now, for Brandy and myself, um, you know, we don't have huge finances. Um, if you want a house, you either buy it or you build it. Well, Brandy and I physically built our house. If you need a new car, you either go buy one or you build one. Brandy and I built two of the three cars we've ever had. Um, so for me, it's always, how do I make this happen? How do I get to where I want God to be, um, where he wants me to be? In 2004, it was the first trip I ever took to Guatemala. And if you've never heard the story, um, the quick version is girl broke, a lady broke her ankle I was the only one who knew that had the passport. They said, get on a plane. And I'm like, okay. Um, so here we are 15 years later, and I'm still continuing this trip to Guatemala. And I say that because every year when I come back home and I'm on the plane, I'm like, I wonder if I'll go next year. Will I have the finances? And every year the finances are there. You know, we work hard to set aside the funds, and it's all God's anyway. Um so I'll just continue to go as long as he wants me to go. And it could be next year. It could be 10 years from now. I don't know. But I say that because it's just a part of being willing. Now, a lot of you say, well, my finances are tight. I can't do this or that. And I'm not talking about specifically Guatemala. I'm talking about helping somebody, your neighbor, or um, a simple local mission trip. But I just want to share a quick story. Last week, um, I was traveling to South Carolina. I was about an hour into the trip. It's a three and a half hour trip. And I was like, man, I'm so glad I finally have a dependable vehicle to get me to and from where I need to go. Well, about one hour after that, the transmission went out in the truck. And I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. So um, there I'm on the side of the road and I'm just like, God, this is your deal. So whatever. Because um, it's God's anyway. So if we look at it that way, the things we go through when we have mishaps like that, yeah, do you worry? Yes. But do we need to? No, because it's God's. Everything that he has given to us is his. Lynn kind of spoke on that a while ago briefly. You know, what we have is God's anyway. So my thought is, well, I'm just going to let God deal with it. And he has. Um and I say that because we're often afraid of the finances that we don't have to go on a mission trip or the time we don't have to go help somebody when we just need to look at it as, God, this is what you want me to do. I'll do it. I know you'll take care of it. If we look at James, James two eighteen 
says, Now someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I always show you my faith by my good deeds. So if we have this love within us, the question is, are we showing it outwardly? You know, if we truly feel like God's dwelling in our lives, we accept him in our hearts, and we want to live for him, are we showing us, expressing us love outwardly? Now, a lot, of, a lot of times we say, you know, you're supposed to do kindness and giving in secret, and that's 100% true. But at the same time, no one's going to know why or the reason we're doing something if we're not openly doing it. So, in my opinion, this is talking about faith and actions working together. And as Lynn was saying, it's about going and giving. So there's times in our lives where we can't go, but we can give. And there's times where we can't give, but we can surely go. So God asks us to do both. We need to go and to give. We took the youth. I'm going to finish with this last story. We took the youth um, two Wednesdays ago to Walmart. And... We knew we were going to go to Salvation Army. We, were going to, we wanted to do something to help the homeless. And it's like, what can we do? So we said, we're going to take, I don't know why 50 always come up. We did the 50 for 50 for Guatemala, and this will come up 50 as well. But we're going to take 50 people and uh, make them gift boxes. And instead of giving them a bag, I said, let's do it in a tote, because if they're homeless, they can keep stuff dry in that tote. Well, anyway, we went up spending $1,000 on 50 people, um, to give them things they could possibly need because they're homeless. And after we get done, I was talking to youth. I was like, how awesome is it just to be able to freely go in there and get the things you need to give somebody else? It's, it's amazing. And I think that should be our heart's desires to get to a point where you can just go and do something for somebody. And I know that the finances is getting away, but if we're willing and, like, your goal in life is to... Sh- to be secure um, financially in a way that you can go in a store and buy groceries for that family. That's my goal. I would love to just say, I have enough money, I'm going to take care of this need right here. But the first step to doing anything that God asks us to do when he's talking about love in our hearts, that spirit that dwells in us, is we have to get up and do something. Whether it's to reach in our back pocket or if it's to take that step in the direction that they that God is telling us to go. I'm very passionate about Guatemala, but I'm also very passionate about just helping people in general. I'm passionate about Guatemala because I'm amazed to see how God uses me. I'm amazed at how he provides for me to go. And that's why I'm passionate about Guatemala. And I encourage you guys to find something that God can use you to do because you'll become passionate about it. But we have to take that first step in doing that. And it's that love that indwells in our hearts that he wants us to pour out on others. So as Lynn um, finishes up, it's about the love that he put in us when he adopted us. When God adopted us before we were even born, like he knew what was going to happen. As As some of our worship team comes out to do an invitation... Um, I told Brad after the first service, he did not know that, and I didn't know what he was going to say, focus on love, and he didn't uh, know that the very next verse I'm going to read says something about love as we get ready to go to the invitation. 
Guys, the main point today is simply this, because Jesus gave and Jesus was willing to come. Amen. He left heaven. He got up to go for us. We ought to be willing to give and go our, ourselves um, in appreciation for what he's done. We ought to give and go. First John 4, 9 says this, in, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So God sent his son into the world so we can have life. And then Psalm 37, 21, it says, The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Proverbs 21, verse 26 says, The righteous give without sparing. So I want us to think about that. May, may we give and go so that others may live. I mean, he, he, the love of God is manifest and that he sent his son so we can live through him. And if you know him, I'm glad you know him, but others don't. So that's why we need to give and go to send these missionaries through the International Mission Board across the world to send people to, to Guatemala and be willing to go and, and do things ourselves. You see, we didn't even have to borrow. It said the wicked borrow and did not repay. We didn't have to borrow. God gave us Christ freely. He gives us salvation freely. So if someone borrowing will give in return, how much more should we who've received freely give in return and go without sparing? Brad pointed out that it takes an action. I want everyone to stand to your feet real quick. And just stay standing because we're going to right into the invitation time. By standing, you just volunteered to go to Guatemala this summer, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But in the same way, you had to decide to stand when I said that. The same thing. You've got to decide to give because of what he did for you and go because he came for you. But you may be somebody this morning that you're not even in the realm of thinking like that because you've never received Christ as Savior. You may be someone that's still on the auction block. And today you need to recognize that God paid a price for you by sending His Son to set you free from the bondage of sin and guilt, to set you completely free. And if you have never trusted Him, why not do that today? Father, take this time and help seal in our hearts those of us who are believers the need we have to give because of the great gift you've given us and the need we have to go for you and go for others because you're willing to send your son knowing full well what he would face for us Father if there's someone here that's never trusted Christ give them the faith they need to step down off the auction block Give them the faith they need to understand that Jesus fully paid for them at the cross. Help them to receive the grace of God that sets them free. First in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.